so we'll, we'll finish up the lesson that we started last week on biblical creationism, look back, looking at scripture, evidence for creation. We talked about that evidence from scripture. If you look at the outline you have, we'll just run through real quickly. We talked about it from the book of Genesis, that there is a lot of ground to cover in Genesis. Many scriptures, especially in the first three chapters of Genesis about creation and about origins, and we will get to that throughout the series. So we weren't going to read through all of Genesis chapter 1 through 3. We started with Genesis 1-1, and number one there on the outline was that the first place to start is at the beginning, which is what Genesis means. In English, Genesis is the beginning. And we said that Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And then we covered how that first verse reveals God's, does anybody remember the three P's? In letter 1A, pre-existence, his power, and his person. And so then we broke that down into, oh, you have yours from last week, great, great, this is a review for you. The universe is not eternal. It had a beginning. God was there before there was a beginning. So God is eternal. Unlike the universe, God is eternal. And that God created time. Time does not affect God because God created time. That will come into play when we look at verses that talk about with God, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. This is not evidence for a gap theory or a day-age theory or theological evolution or any of these other theories that have come up in the postmodern era. It is simply a, a poetic way of saying that time does not affect God. God affects time. In letter C, we see that God also created the heaven and the earth. And we talked about how heaven is a dual noun in Hebrew. And so it means both the sky and space at the same time. But that because he created the heaven and the earth, it means he created space and matter. So we see that God created time, space, and matter. And those things we'll get to later when we talk about how, how God is a triune being, right? God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he shows his the character of his trinity, or his person, through his creation. We have time, space, and matter, and we have states of each of those. They are three in one, threes in one, if that makes sense. Time is made up of three parts, the past, the present, and the future. Space is made up of three parts, and here, and in space-time, and the uh, all the science of that that we'll get into when we look, when the lesson to look up. And matter is in three parts of solid, mostly solid, liquid, and gas. There's plasma, which is sort of something else entirely. But <laughs> we'll, in a general terms of what we know about science, God reveals his trinity through his creation. So the Bible assumes uh, that God exists when it talks about this first verse, that was the letter D, the Bible assumes God's existence and his act of creation. God is simply introduced in this first verse. 
He's not explained, he's not debated, he's introduced. And the rest of this verse is presented as a matter of fact. Okay? So that's what we did in Genesis 1-1. Asked that you read Genesis 1, 1-3 through 3 this week. I uh, hope you did that. If not, you can do it again this week. You can do it every week as we go through this to continue to remind yourself of how different things apply to those to that creation passage at the beginning of Scripture. And one thing of key to note is if we can't believe the first verse, we can't believe any of it. Right? That's a, a very good way of, of approaching Scripture. It, if, if any Scripture is unbelievable, then you can't trust any of it. Uh, what's the... Pastor, help me. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? What can the righteous do? Uh, forget the, it's, a, it's a psalm reference, right? Yeah. I'm going to have to work on my scripture memory again. I'm falling behind. <laughs> but if the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? And we'll see as we go through this study that the enemy is about attacking the foundations. Our, our weakness is when we attack the ancillary issues, when we attack the symptoms instead of the disease, when we attack the branches instead of the roots. But the enemy knows to go for the roots, to go for the foundations. And the foundation of Scripture is tied back to Genesis 1, 1 through 11. Or Genesis chapter 1 through 11. We see also some general, uh, letter B there, some general uh, verses that we looked at. We 11 3. 11 3. Thank you, sir. Psalms 11 3. <laughs> Psalms 11 3. So, man, not knowing. <laughs> I would have looked it up as soon as we got done. The general verses that we went over were first, we said we should study creation to learn from God's, does anybody remember? His general revelation. Right? To learn from God's general revelation versus his specific revelation. We looked at Psalm 19, 1 through 6. We looked at Proverbs 6, 6 through 8, Job 12, 7 through 10, and Romans 1, 18 through 20. We also covered that God has complete control over his creation. As Pastor brought up last week, God did not simply build a computer and hit enter and walk away. God is preeminent over his creation, and he persistently is involved in every single aspect of every atom that moves, every cell that splits and dies, every single quark that spins inside of an electron. He is absolutely, preeminently in control of all of that. All science, all biology, all life, all movement, all of the universe. That's how big and powerful God is. That perspective really changes the way we look at our lives. If we know that God has preeminence over every cell that we slough off of our skin, every hair on our head. So we looked at several verses there that are listed under number two. Number three was that faith in God and creation is more logical than faith in evolution and chance. It's more logical. We looked at Psalm 33, 6. Psalm 100, verse 3, it says, Know ye that the Lord, he is God. Know. <laughs> Sorry, brother. Should have offered you a pen at the beginning. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. 
So despite what humanism has said, the mind of man did not make everything and did not make God. Absolutely not. Hebrews 11.3 talks about faith. 2 Peter 3.5, how people are willingly ignorant of the flood. And that's going to be a key verse. 2 Peter 3.5 will be a key verse throughout this study, how they are willingly ignorant of that by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. Then number four, we looked at the fact of atheism, that, as I said, despite humanism, humanism and atheism, if they're honest, no one is really an atheist, meaning that they, they, they claim to believe there is no God. They're either a naturalist, and they worship nature, mother nature, the creation itself, the universe, right? Or they're a humanist, making themselves God. And you can look those two things up, naturalism and humanism, and they will unabashedly give you evidence of what they believe. They don't, uh, they don't make any qualms about the fact that humanists believe that the mind of man is the final authority for all things. That's very dangerous, but the Bible refutes it, and so that's the evidence we're looking at here. So today we're going to move to letters C and D. We're going to look specifically at just a few times where Jesus references the creation, and so that's what this section is about here. Um, to say that if those that are hyper-dispensationalists that want to write off a lot of the Bible and just say we don't need to preach on Genesis, we don't need to worry about that Old Testament life, we're in the age of grace. Well, that's true, but if you're going to believe Jesus, you need to believe Jesus. And in these three specific instances, we want to look at, from Scripture, how Jesus is the Creator and the Savior. So He's the Creator and the Savior. Those are your two blocks under C1. Jesus is the Creator and the Savior. Let's look at John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. I know most, um, most people have heard this before, have read this numerous times. Some people even have it memorized. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Spirit are the same being. 
not separate beings. We don't worship three gods. We worship one God who reveals himself in three ways. Right? And so Jesus Christ, who was revealed in person on earth, is also a part of the same Godhead that in the beginning created everything and then said, let us make man in our image. Right? So we see that in John chapter 1, 1 through 3. We also see in Colossians 1, 16. Colossians 1, 16 says, For by him, that's Jesus, were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Alright? We have that, both, both of these verses, one from the Gospel of John, one from a, an epistle of Paul, both attesting to the fact that Jesus is the creator. We have all kinds of um, verses throughout the New Testament showing how Jesus is the Savior. We know he is the Savior, but I wanted to bring the, out to the fact that God, he, Jesus is both creator and Savior. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, another key passage. And uh, the way numbers line up in the Bible, the, the, the words were inspired, the chapters were not, but sometimes there's, there are odd little things that help you remember when you can line up John 1, 1 through 3 with Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. And those first three verses of both are very telling, very catching, and it kind of helps you remember. So not that there's any power necessarily in those numbers. Uh, I'm not trying to jump off into a study of numerology, but sometimes it helps you remember when chapter 12 and chapter 12 line up when thing, and things like that. In this instance, Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had made, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. That single set of three verses at the beginning of the book of Hebrews sets up Jesus Christ as the creator and the savior of the world. Very powerful set of verses leading through a powerful book. Hebrews is a very powerful book for study for the New Testament. But it's a great passage there. And then Revelation 4.11. In the end times, crying out, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and, by, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. That doesn't just say that Christ at the beginning, in the middle, and at the end is the creator and the savior, but also gives us a purpose for the creation. Evolution cannot give purpose to life other than survival. And that cannot be enough reason to live. It can't be enough explanation for why we're here, why we continue to procreate and persist, why we have the emotions we have 
There, this, the entirety of the creation of the universe cannot be simply to survive. There is a greater purpose. It is for the pleasure of our Lord and Savior. Right? So that's a great set of verses there. But also Jesus taught in his teachings on earth, in those three years of his ministry, Jesus taught as if Genesis was literal history. That's the two blanks there on number two. Jesus taught as if Genesis was literal history. Uh, one such example is in the book of Mark. Uh, we won't get to all of them. I just wanted to bring that point out. Mark chapter 10, verse 6. Mark 10, 6. Anybody there? Not me. <laughs> Mark 10, 6 says, But from the beginning of the creation... God made them male and female. He was talking in this passage about divorcement, and the, the uh, Pharisees were trying to trip him up, saying that Moses gave us the right for divorcement. And Jesus said, for the hardness of your heart, he wrote this precept. It had nothing to do with God's will. It had to do with you being hard of heart and your sin. But from the beginning, again the word beginning, referring back to Genesis, of the creation. He's admitting God created, right? God, that's who he's giving the credit to, made them male and female. So there's so much being refuted in that, so much being confirmed in that, a lot of power in that one verse. But Jesus taught his disciples and even the Pharisees in this particular situation that Genesis was literal history because he applied it to this situation. And then he goes on with, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And that's, again, quoting from Genesis. Okay? So if Jesus taught as if Genesis was literal history, maybe we should believe that Genesis is literal history and not some poetic play on words that we're just supposed to know, oh, it's fine, it's a little boat with a few animals in it, that's all that Genesis really is. It's a lot more powerful than that. There's a lot more information there that God actually has for us. And if we ignore it, we'll lose a lot. So three, Jesus taught that the writings of Moses which included Genesis, because he wrote the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, the writings of Moses were about him, about Jesus. And you can see that in John chapter 5, verses 46 through 47. John 5, 46 to 47. For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if ye believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? So we need to see that Jesus is the creator and the savior. We need to see that Jesus taught as if Genesis was literal history, and he taught that the writings of Moses were about him, specifically. It's not something that we should ignore. If it's still Jesus back in Genesis, we need to be reading that now, in our age, in the church age. If it's Jesus in the, in the prophets, we need to be reading that now. If it's Jesus in the poetry, we need to be reading that. If it's Jesus in the gospels, we need to be reading that. We should study to show ourselves approved a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, and the word of truth is cover to cover. Amen. Even the cover, the Holy Bible. Okay, and then we'll uh, see if we can get some of these other ones done. I might just kind of skim through it and not turn to every verse, but I would like you to kind of follow up and read these verses. Some other noteworthy verses that come out about points that I wanted to make but uh, couldn't elaborate on. One, man is the only creature that has domesticated other creatures. 
That's a, that's an, and I know it's an odd thing to, to bring out, but it is very key to understanding creation. Man is the only creature that has domesticated other creatures. We can still see that, observe that today. You don't see apes riding horses except in movies, right? <laughs> but man has domesticated, even in our day, man has domesticated creatures no one ever thought were domesticatable. I've seen a lot of exotic pets and, and zoos and, and circuses and stuff. The domestication of the animal world by man is mind-boggling sometimes, unless you read Genesis 1.26, where God told Adam, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, the cattle, the, all of the earth, over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. God gave us life and dominion. So that speaks to the truth of the scripture from the very beginning. But we can see the evidence of it today. Genesis, or sorry, genetics has now discovered that there is only one human race. And when we get to the message on looking in and looking at ourselves, we will talk more about this, about one blood and one race. There is no such thing as racism if we are all the same human race. Acts 17. That's right. Acts 17, 26. And God and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth. One blood, one race. It does away with a lot of bickering and fighting, if you believe the Bible. But genetics has now discovered there's only one race. Number three, despite what climate alarmists may say, science says that the earth is not overcrowded. There's lots of evidence that we can get to when we look around how we have plenty of arable land in, in the world. We just have chosen, just like in the time of, of Nimrod, to gather together in these large cities and try to build buildings up to heaven and to make ourselves more powerful, as opposed to spreading out and using all of the land that God has given us to subsist. If we were actually to use all the arable land in the, in the world and not let it be gobbled up by corporations and governments and training areas for the military, um, then we would have plenty of room, plenty of food, plenty of, of breathable air, but we messed it up. It's not, it's not that there's something wrong, it's not that the world is overcrowded and we need to start you know, depopulization and, and uh, culling the numbers. That's not the, that's not the right answer, China. Um, Isaiah 45, 18. For thus saith the world, the Lord, that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. He formed the world to be inhabited. Not, not to, like the naturalists want, let the creation, or let, the, let nature have its course and man needs to get out of the way like we're some kind of parasite on the face of the earth. We can talk about that in another time. But the earth was formed to be inhabited. We were formed for the pleasure of God and to replenish the earth. And if we would obey, maybe we would see things in a different way. And then number five, I'm oh sorry, number four, we know that the earth is round, that it floats in space, and that the universe is expanding. These are all scientific things that we're quote unquote discovering um, in our lifetime. That the earth is round, that's, that's pretty, pretty well, I mean, we just had an eclipse. Did anybody get to watch the eclipse? Um, that's more proof that the earth, earth is round and not flat. <laughs> the church never believed 
Uh, the, the true church never believed that the earth was flat because it says all the way back to the book of Job that the, the earth is round or then I, in this verse in Isaiah, right? Have you not known, Isaiah 40, 21 through 22, have you not known, have you not heard, hath it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundation of the earth? It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers. That he that stretches out the heavens as a curtain and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in. God is stretching the heavens, and we have evidence now that the universe is expanding away from a single point. And that's they try to use that as evidence of the Big Bang Theory. But instead, we should look at that as, as evidence of God spoke it all into existence, and it spreads out away from him, from his word, from a single source. Not a single source of a period on a page where the nothing became something and then exploded into everything, but where God spoke and it all came to be. Powerful, powerful references to verses and the stuff that's actually going on. But then number five, uh, sin is genetic. Sin is genetic. No one is born good. Just work in a nursery for a few months and you'll learn that. No one is born good. This is controversial, but it is observable. In any culture around the world, you can observe that we are born with tendencies of evil. We, sin is genetic. It is passed down from our father. Even if we don't know our father, we have the genetic passing of sin. Psalm 53, 1-3 says, The fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. Corrupt are they, and have done abominable iniquity. There is none that doeth good. God looketh down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand, that did seek God. Every one of them is gone back. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. And that's repeated by Paul in Romans as well. But Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and we know that one man was Adam, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Not only is sin genetic, but we also choose to sin. We have within us the genetic potential for sin and the absolute um, propensity that we are going to make a choice to sin in our life. And it's because of that sin nature that we need our Creator and Savior, Jesus Christ. So there are many other verses we could look at. There's lots more we could cover. I tried to get through the, this one today so we can move on next week. I'm always happy to answer questions back from previous lessons. I hope you keep up with the notes so that we can make references if we need to. Um, the Bible has so much more to offer about this topic, about creation. And really where I'm trying to get to is to give you enough reference, enough information that you can believe what the Bible says and that you can stand on the Bible and believe science. It doesn't have to be one or the other. They do not refute each other. They do not disagree. They do not contradict. As long as you believe the true observable science, right? Not starting with a false assumption and trying to make it true. But as long as you use science and you, and you believe the Bible, they will come together and, to, and agree. So next time we'll start the lesson, look around. We, we talked about uh, looking back. And now we're going to look around at the plants and animals that God has created. All of his marvelous evidence that, gives a, that he gives us about creation, not evolution. And that will probably take several weeks, not just one or two. But I'm definitely looking forward to um, what the Lord has done to bring out for us. And 
what we can learn together. So let's go ahead and pray and we can start service. Heavenly Father, we